Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. So this morning, um, I want to talk to you about my journey of comfort. Um, as a lot of you know, especially my home group, uh, I've been through a long period of uh, difficulty. Uh, you might call it affliction. And um, I'm sure that others of you have experienced that as well. I'm not just talking about run-of-the-mill annoyances you know, with your kids or with your spouse. I'm talking about heart-trembling, faith-crumbling affliction that just brings you to your knees and you say, my God, my God, why are you doing this to me? I can't do it. This feels unjust. This does not feel right. What are you doing? I'm talking about those afflictions that just rock us to our core. And um, God promises those things, but he also promises us comfort. He promises as we go through those things, he will provide a firm hope for us. And... um, the problem is, and this is where I want to spend some time with us, is that we don't see God's version of comfort. I know for myself, I didn't have a clear view of what God's comfort looked like, and it's really easy to want to short-circuit that process of God's comfort because, frankly, his comfort doesn't always come in the timing we want. And so we go after other things to ease the pain, and unfortunately, we just, like myself, cause more pain for ourselves. Um, but if we will seek his comfort, he's got something good for us. So... Um, during my difficulty, I went to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11, and found a lifeline of hope for me. Um, I hope that you yourself can find some great comfort from the Lord uh, in this verse. Um, and actually, uh, I really want you to have the Bible in front of you. Uh, the last thing in the world you guys want is to me to just pontificate what I thought I learned during affliction. You guys need something you can hold on to as truth, something that you can really bank your life on. And so um, if you need a Bible this morning, an usher will give you one. Uh, this passage, I believe, is on 964, and the Bible's being handed out. Let's read this together. So this is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verses 3 through 11. It's a little bit of a long passage, but um, there's some good stuff in here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But that was to not make us rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You must also help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted to us through the prayers of many. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for the promise of your comfort in the midst of affliction. Lord, let your word come alive to our dull hearts. And Lord, I know that you have real comfort for us. So for those that are undergoing affliction, difficult trials in their life, let them be able to cling to your comfort and that they would have renewed strength and renewed joy in the comfort that you provide. 
Lord, let me not get in the way. I am not sufficient to deliver your word clearly. By your spirit, give me strength. I'm not strong enough for this. Please do it, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, so in this passage, um, Paul lays out kind of two sections. There's a general truth, and I have a tendency to be a little geeky, and I really like frameworks, so I really got into that. And then he gives an application, a specific example from his life, how he used that framework of how he viewed affliction and the comfort God provides. Uh, my wife very rightly uh, helped me with my sermon and said, wow, there's way too much in here. I, I would have been here till 2 o'clock and you guys would have been passed out. So uh, she helped me clarify it and distill it down to three questions. Uh, one, what is affliction? What is the, gum- the comfort that God provides? And how do we pursue God's comfort? All right, so let's dive in here. Um, I, I don't know about you, but the first thing that I see in this passage was how Paul described the situation he was going through. He's not messing around with simple Christianese words. Look at this again. He says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. That's some pretty strong language. Um, We don't typically talk like that, at least not publicly to other people, maybe in our prayer life. Um, So one of my first questions was, what's he talking about? I mean, is this just flowery language, just to make a point? Um, I just did a quick survey of 2 Corinthians, and he talks about a lot of stuff. He talks about some external events that happened to him in his ministry, and he also talked about some internal suffering that he experienced, uh, just to rattle off a list just from Second Corinthians. He talks about outer self wasting away, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonment, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, being beaten with rods, stoned, shipwrecked. Some pretty serious external stuff. Um, but not just external stuff. He also talks about some internal psychological suffering. He talks about anguish of heart, tears, dishonor, slander, being treated as imposters, fear within, anxiety, and insults. Um, So afflictions in this chapter, in this context, is a lot of stuff. It could be external events. It could be internal things that are going on in your heart. But the real thing is, it's painful. (laughs) It's suffering. I don't think we need to oversimplify this or overcomplicate it with a, a complicated definition It's really tempting, I don't know about you, but for me to want to gloss over my affliction and say, it's not that big of a deal. It's okay. Don't worry about it. I'm okay. It's suffering. Why do we do that? Especially internal stuff. I don't know about you, but I feel like, especially at church, we kind of don't really appreciate depression, and it it just doesn't help to minimize the pain. It just prolongs the suffering. So I think my first encouragement for myself and hopefully for you is that like Paul recognized his hurt, like he uh, declared his suffering so that others could hear it, let's do the same. Let's just call it out for what it is. We're suffering. We're in pain. This is hard. This doesn't work for me. It doesn't help anybody to whitewash your pain and just white-knuckle it through. Um, and I just, I love how he says, we felt we had received the sentence of death. I mean, this is not a guy who's just, you know, kind of going through life and, you know, dealing with some bad traffic. I mean, he is really at the end of his rope. And it's very important for us to recognize what's going on in our heart, even the dark emotions. 
Um, and <laughs> Paul went through some dark stuff. And I think as a body of believers, it's important for us to realize that God promises us afflictions. This isn't some abnormality that just happens to really strange people like Paul. This is standard Christian life. It is the norm to be experiencing affliction. So it should be normal for us to go through painful circumstances and cry out to God and say, Lord, help me. I I need help in this. Um, For me, uh, I alluded to it when I uh, started uh, this morning. Uh, For the last seven years, I've been in a very painful job situation. Um, It's hard for me to communicate. I mean, even now as I'm, um, now praise God out of it, but it it was hard for me to communicate really what I was going through. it was um, not physical uh, suffering, but it was certainly internal psychological suffering. I, almost every day it felt like I was being attacked by a bunch of ravenous wolves. Just incredible pressure to meet expectations, and of course I never did. And there was just incredible humiliation and shame publicly in a group like this where people would just say, bam, 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 here's all the ways you failed and you need to fix it, and just piled on abuse. And you just internalize this, and you just take it in, and you say, what am I supposed to do with all this? Am I just making this up? Am I, I mean, I felt like I was going mad. I was going crazy. What is all this abuse and the just sharp criticism? In fact, not to belabor this point, but I remember once one person got so violently angry at something I had done, and it was, I was just doing my work. I mean, it was totally uncommunicated expectations, but he got so violently angry, you could just see the fire in his eyes, like he was going to pick up a chair and beat me with it. I was fearing for my own well-being, and again, he'd lashed out at me. He didn't do anything physical, but that was my life. That was my job every day, almost. If it didn't happen that day, there was certainly fear it was going to happen. And (laughs) it was really hard for me to go through that. But God promises us affliction. Yours might be different. It may not look like that, but you will go through affliction. You might even be going through it right now. Um. It's interesting because if we look at Job, Satan was roaming around looking for someone, and God actually directed Satan at Job because Job found favor with God. It wasn't that Job was doing something wrong. It was for the very reason that Job had favor with God, that God pointed Satan to Job. It's just a radical thing to think that because of our right standing, God will allow afflictions into our life. So this is where our brain starts to hurt and start to think, well, my goodness, is it just brute-knuckle suffering? No, there's comfort. (laughs) This is the good stuff. So let's focus on that, and I'm going to spend most of our time talking about what God's comfort looks like. Um, So I found six points. Um, I Just every time I looked at this passage, there was just something else good about the comfort that God provides. So let's dig into it. I've got six ways that we can not only know what God's comfort is, but how we pursue it. So let's look at this just going through the verses. Uh, Verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. I've made the mistake sometimes of saying comfort's a sin. But (laughs) if you look at this verse, what does it say? He is the God of all comfort. Comfort originates with him. He is the author of comfort. He designed us, hardwired us to desire comfort. Not because comfort's bad, but because it's good. He hardwired us to desire comfort because he wants us to desire him. And it's just encouraging to know that my heart longing for comfort is not a bad thing, it's a good thing. So let's start there because I think 
it's important for us to realize that there's a reason why in the middle of your affliction you, you desire comfort. Uh, so God is the author of comfort. That's the first one. Second thing that I saw here, um, actually, can I have my water? I'm going to be totally parched and not have a voice. Thanks. Um, Second one here. Uh, God comforts us in our affliction. Verse 4 says, who comforts us in all our affliction. Um, It's very encouraging to know that if you're in the middle of an affliction right now, God promises you comfort. And not just some afflictions will he give you comfort. He says all afflictions he's going to give us comfort. Um, So, it doesn't matter where you're in right now. If it seems small, if it seems big, that's your affliction. That's your pain. That's your suffering. He promises to provide you comfort in that. Um, so for me, I, I struggle here because I said, Lord, what is this comfort? Because I'm positive that whatever your version of comfort is, it's better than my definition. But at face value, I don't know what your comfort looks like. So I saw two things. I saw a vertical aspect of God's comfort. I also saw a horizontal aspect. What I mean by that is, as I look through this letter of 2 Corinthians, just to kind of try to take it in and see what Paul's thoughts were, there was one aspect where between him and God, as God brought him to his knees, and Paul just said, I can't do it anymore, I'm weak, I'm at my end, God brought him strength. So that's the horizontal aspect between him and God. Or I'm sorry, the vertical aspect between him and God. The second aspect was, uh, it's amazing, and you look throughout this letter, he talks about the amazing joy he experienced in fellowship with other believers. Uh, this just rocked my world, and we'll get there in a minute, but um, I want to just elaborate on this because I think it's easy for us to have an opinion of what God's comfort looks like, and I, I really want to root myself and us in what God's comfort truly is. All right, the first one. Uh, let's just unpack this a little bit. Um, if you notice what he says in verse 9, he says, but that, that is the sentence of death, was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Rely on God. Um, and if you just look throughout the rest of Second Corinthians, he uses other words other than rely. He talks about trusting God. He talks about... God's sovereign control over circumstances and being able to put his hope in God. Um, And it's just amazing to me that in this verse 9, there's a meaning and a purpose for his suffering. He talks about the purpose being to show Paul's weakness so that God's strength was more glorious. I think one of the things that we struggle with is always understanding what the specific meaning of our suffering is. We want to know why. Um, And for Paul in this circumstance, it was to reveal his weakness. It doesn't seem like a good thing. It doesn't seem good to be humbled. It doesn't seem to be good to be brought to our knees. But how much better is it to have the God of the universe who created us, who created all things, give us his strength? That seems so much better than trying to puff ourselves up with the mediocre strength we might have on our own. How much better is it to receive his strength when we're humbled? Um, and I just love that. Um, <laughs> And one other thing I just love to see here is that even though Paul felt as good as dead, what does it say there in verse 9? He said, God raises the dead. Just like Paul felt that he had received a sentence of death, that this affliction that he received from God, that God raised him up to new life. As he was humbled, God brought him God's strength for Paul and brought him up to new life. And you know what? This is the hope we have as Christians. 
Can you think of another example where someone was humbled to the point of death and raised to new life? Jesus Christ. Oh, what hope we have as Christians that the God of the universe would send his very own son to take our place here on earth, to live the life we could never live, suffer brutally on the cross. It is the ultimate affliction. Who else has received affliction like that, to be nailed to a cross unjustly? It was not just for God to do that, was it? He did not deserve that death, but he did it in our place. He sent Jesus Christ in our place so that we could be restored to God. And Jesus Christ didn't stay there on the cross or in that tomb. After three days, he was raised to new life so that we as Christians could be restored to God in strength in the Holy Spirit. I just, I love that we as Christians have this hope of Jesus Christ, not just for where we're going in heaven, but for right now. And I love for Paul to tell us that as we're here on earth, God raised him from the dead in the midst of his dark affliction, and he'll do that for us too. Um, and so um, I, I, I'm, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged that God's comfort for us, even though we go through dark times and are just humiliated and brought to our knees, it's for our good because we get to experience not only nearness and intimacy with God, but through that he provides us his strength. We can rely on his strength just as Paul did. So that's the first type of comfort, the vertical. Uh, the horizontal that I saw, it, <laughs> I was blown away by this. I, I, I couldn't believe how many times Paul talked about comfort and joy together. And I kept trying to force myself to make this comfort and joy be about his vertical relationship with God. But it was every time, six times he mentions joy. Every single time it's about fellowship with the brothers. He talks about Titus coming and the comfort he felt of Titus giving him strength when Paul felt weak. He talks about the joy of being restored in fellowship with the church in Corinth. They had done some pretty nasty stuff to him, and Paul yet came to them in in humility, and their relationship was restored, and Paul felt overflowing joy. Not just like a little taste of joy, not just like, oh, I guess it feels nice, we're not at odds anymore. He was erupting with joy because of this fellowship. And that just doesn't happen naturally. I don't know about you, but I mean, I think relationships are often painful. I'm I'm an introvert, so I'm generally pretty good on my own. Um, And this idea that in my suffering, I would rather retreat, but instead God would say, go in fellowship. You will receive joy in fellowship. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but my whole MO is I'm suffering, I'm going to retreat, God, I'm going to fight you and resist you, as opposed to being humbled before him and receive his strength, and I'm going to do it on my own. And God just totally flips the paradigm the other way around. He says, I'm going to help you see how weak you are, (laughs) and so you let go of those clenched fists and rely on my strength, and on the same time, as much as you want to retreat and go on your own, I'm going to show you that there's a better way in community, and you're going to have erupting joy, overflowing joy, being in fellowship. I just, how does that happen? (laughs) I can tell you for our home group that, um, and I apologize, I didn't clear my home group, but... um, We went through a tough spot last fall. Maybe it was partly because I was going through a tough spot as well. But we were trying to press in. We were saying we want to do community life, so let's 
do meals, let's study the Bible, let's get together on the weekend. And you know what happened? Oh, pain. Wow. Uh, we got at odds with each other. We really kind of suffered together. Um, and it wasn't that, you know, it was someone else's suffering. We self-imposed it on ourselves. <laughs> so it's not that, like, somehow some magical thing happens where you get together as the body and it's really joyful. Uh, no, actually, uh, sometimes the body is the affliction, right? So um, I-, I will say this. Uh, Fellowship is forged in the irons of fire, God's fire. It is God's affliction that not knits us together. And if you go through that, I mean, I can give testimony for our home group that we went through that together. And it's not like we're some amazing home group now that's uh, never hurting each other. But through that affliction of pursuing each other in the midst of the affliction, God has brought us more tenderness and affection and love for each other. And that's brought me joy. I don't know about the rest of my home group, but I mean, I feel like we're being knit together through that affliction that we experience together. And, uh, and God does that. So two things. And actually, I'll just see it here. I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself. So verse 11, what does he say? He says, you must also help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Um, it's interesting because... Um, Suffering is a community effort. It's really easy, like I said, to retreat, but Paul says here, in the midst of his suffering, he's asking for prayer. He's asking for other believers, and not just one or two, but he says, many. He's looking for prayers of not just one or two believers, but many believers, because he needs comfort, and when he knows that God's going to answer prayers, Others will receive the joy of seeing God's movement. There's joy together of having experienced a trial and affliction together and then being able to praise God because we're all knit together in the same process. And so um, I'm just encouraged to know that when we rely on God, the first one, we gain his strength. And when we fellowship with other believers, we can experience joy. I just I love that in the midst of difficult suffering and affliction that feels like it has no end, God promises us real tangible comfort that our souls are longing for. So I just, ugh, that's good stuff. All right, um, the third point, um, it's not just about us. <laughs> we could always take it in like, hey, I'm feeling bad, just bring me the love, I need some comfort. But... If Paul was going to say anything to us, he would say, it's not about just you. He would say here in verse 4, let's just read it again. He says, God is the one who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Comfort starts with him. He's the author. He provides us individually as sufferers comfort. But it doesn't stop there. It's not like God stops right there and just says, it's just about you. He says, you, the person who used to suffer, are now my conduit to provide comfort to someone else. And, I mean, I'm not going to focus on it too much, but, I mean, if you looked at how many times Paul says comfort in this section, it just, it's like he plays with it every different direction. It's like, my mind hurts. How many times are you going to say comfort from different ways? And I mean, my interpretation is that he's saying, you are supposed to comfort the body. The body needs comfort, and you are God's instrument to provide comfort. And this is kind of the weird thing, is that 
like I said, we're always asking, why, God, am I going through this affliction? I really am trying to understand why this unjust affliction is necessary for me. And I think another reason God has for that is he's saying it's not just about you. The reason you're experiencing that affliction may not just be for you. It might be because God wants you to experience comfort that you would never feel so that for the purpose of because he wants you to comfort someone else. There may not be a reason just for you, but God wants you to experience comfort so that you can give it to someone else. That can seem like a big charge. It's like, whoa, I'm barely hanging on myself. How in the world is it now my responsibility to comfort all y'all? It's like, whoo, that feels like a lot. But here's the hope. He's the author of comfort. It starts with him. It originates with him. It flows to you. And then the overflow, that overflowing of joy, goes out to your body, to your brothers and sisters. So you don't have to like muster it up on yourself and say, yeah, come look at me. No, 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 no. (laughs) He's the author. You need to point back to Jesus. You can encourage each other through prayer. You can encourage each other through the scripture. But again, it's not about you. You don't need to come up with this on your own. Um, and, And the other thing that's interesting here is that he says any affliction... I think it could be hard to see someone's really difficult affliction and be like, man, I've never experienced anything like that. I don't even know how I can help you. But he says, in any affliction, we're able to comfort uh, our brothers and sisters. And again, I think the whole point is to say, we may not have gone through a specific affliction that someone else has, but we've gone to the same Father. We've gone to the same source of comfort, and we're able to point someone else back to that. So it's not about us. We just say, you know what? It's about him, and it can overflow from us into someone else. So um, let that encourage you that even if you don't know why you're suffering, God might be providing comfort to you so that you can give it to someone else. Um, And and I guess just the last point on that is that um, we play a key role in each other's spiritual pilgrimage. Um, It can be really tempting to get internal and just focus on us. But you're at your home group for a reason. Someone will receive comfort because you're there. And if you're not there, it's, they're not going to receive that comfort. So that's not meant to be a guilt trip. That's not meant to like force you to do anything. It's meant to be an encouragement to say, we're knit together by what God does through his Holy Spirit and providing us comfort. And this spiritual pilgrimage together is about encouraging each other together and in comfort. And he does it, but... If we're not doing it together, we're, not, we're going to miss out on comfort, right? If the reason we're going to receive comfort from God is because we're together in fellowship, what all the more reason we should be in fellowship, right? All right, so that's the third point. Uh, fourth one. All right, so this is where it's going to get tough because uh, from here on out, uh, I think Paul starts to address some of the ways that we respond poorly to affliction. Um, I can testify that I myself don't always handle it well. Um, so he says, uh, just a simple thing, he says here in verse 5, for as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Uh, so it seems like a pretty simple math equation here. Um, if you experience a little affliction, you probably are going to receive a little comfort. But if you experience an abundance of affliction, that means you'll experience an abundance of comfort. Um, let me just say it another way. God's not going to hang you out to dry. You might be going through a really difficult 
painful affliction that's just rocking you to your core, an abundance of affliction. And God would say, I have an abundance of comfort for you. You can receive just enough comfort for your circumstances. He's in sovereign control, and he'll say to you, I will meet you where you're at. If you humble yourself in any circumstance, if you're in a really painful circumstance, I'm going to provide you even more strength. If you're in a really painful circumstance, press into home group because I'm going to provide you even more joy through that abundant affliction. I don't know about you, but um, (laughs) my mental model is a little different than that. I think generally less affliction equals more comfort. And more affliction just means more pain. (laughs) And God turns that around the other way. He says, I want to give you more comfort, more strength in God, more joy in fellowship by giving you more affliction. I mean, it almost sounds like if we want to phrase it that way, like somehow affliction's good. And that seems like a hard place to be because I don't know about you, but I can be going along with life Things aren't too painful, and all of a sudden, it seems like God slipped in some sort of change of plan on me, and all of a sudden now I'm on God's affliction train, and I'm like, get me off this thing. Let's, where's the e-brake? I'm jumping off this thing. I cannot take this anymore. It's like somehow we just want to grip hold of control and say, this doesn't work for me. I, I don't want to pursue this abundant affliction. This is painful. And, uh, I mean, I, I was talking to uh, Josh when I was going through my hard spot. And it can kind of feel like, I don't know if you remember, I didn't go through the army, but maybe if you've seen movies of when you're in boot camp and you've got this big wall and a rope that you're supposed to climb up to get to the other side. And maybe, at least for me, I don't know about you, but it can feel like up over that wall is God's comfort. And here I am really feeling weak and not strong, holding on to this rope, staring at the top and saying, yeah, I know, God, your comfort's up there, but I don't have strength to do that. I, I know I'm supposed to go up there. I'm told I'm supposed to go up there. I'm promised there's something good up there. I, you know what? I just want a relief valve. I, I, don't, I don't care about your comfort, God. I just want relief. And so we say, you know what? Just forget it. I'll just turn to the bottle. I'll just numb the pain through drinking. The internet's so quick, all I have to do is just type one thing, and I know I could be looking at pornography that would be giving me pleasure. All i got to do is open up the fridge and just stuff my face, and I get the joy of eating a bunch of food that makes my belly feel good. I could just go to the mall and buy something I can't afford, and I get the pleasure of this new widget. That's so much easier than staring at this big wall with the, that I have to climb on my own. But you know what? <laughs> um... God's got better comfort for us. He's got better comfort than those relief valves that we seek. What's yours? What's your relief valve? What do you seek in the midst of long, unending affliction? Um, and I think that's why we get to verse five or uh, to this fifth one in verse six. Uh, Paul reminds us of a, an affliction prerequisite that we need to have patient endurance. Verse 6, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when? When you patiently endure the same sufferings, we, uh, the same sufferings that we suffer. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've mentioned this a few times, but 
you know, it's really easy in the midst of painful affliction to say, you know what, I don't know what God's doing in my heart, but I can tell you my external pain is not good. And so we kind of seek three different things. I, for me, I kind of see it as a journey. Uh, you know, sort of the, we want to fight it and say, this is unjust. I'm going to do whatever I can to change my circumstances because this is unjust. And I think the thing that's hard to interpret, and we could do a whole other sermon on this, but if, I will say this simply, if your affliction is from God, you're going to find yourself just fighting against God. I did that in the midst of my affliction. I was looking for a new job, and it boggled my mind how difficult it was to get another job. I was unable to. <laughs> God put me in that affliction for the very reason of uh, patiently enduring to receive his comfort. And I was unable to fight God because I was where he wanted me to be. I think, so that's one way we can respond is to fight him. The other way is to just flight. We just want to leave. I don't care. Just get me out of here. I'll just, I'm going to move. I'm going to look, uh, get me on vacation. I don't care. Just, I'm gone. Just let me fly away from this. And you know what? Same thing. God has that specific affliction for you, and that means that you need to be right there in the midst of it. And, I, and this is where I was last fall. Um, the third way that we often respond to affliction, in the midst of long enduring uh, affliction, we we get despondent and we we, we just kind of give up. We just say, you know what? I've tried fighting this. I've tried running away from it. I've tried going to God. I'm just I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I'm at the end of my rope. Um, let me read. Um, <laughs> I'm going to cry doing this because I still remember the pain. This is from my prayer journal uh, from last fall. Oh God, where is my relief? I am wearied by my inner complaint that has no joy. I feel as though I'm drifting on my own. Dad, I'm sick with burden and complaint. It drags me down like an anchor and suffocates me. Why won't you let me be? Why must I continually face your trials? <sighs> what do you do in the midst of your unending suffering? Do you give in? Uh, do you just hope it'll go away? Um, maybe you just turn on some relief valve just looking for some sort of way to just numb yourself through the suffering, hopefully that it will go away. But this is the good stuff. This is the good stuff for our hearts. Uh, the sixth point from verse 7, he says that in the midst of great unfathomable suffering, we can share in God's comfort. He says in verse 7, Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. The hope of the Corinthian church might be wavering. They might feel like their endurance isn't patient. But Paul knew through his experience that God would come through. He had hope for the Corinthian church that God would deliver them. And uh, you know, for Paul, he had been rocked to his core. He went through a very painful trial, and God came through. He says in verse 10, he delivered us, that is God, from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. And uh, I don't know about you, but when I experience something that's just a prolonged suffering, that just doesn't seem like it will ever end, 
and I get despondent and I start retreating inward, I need brothers and sisters around me who will share this with me. I know you're going through a hard spot. I know this is hard. But God will come through. We need people to speak truth into our hearts. I'm not talking about blasé Christian answers. I mean, it's so easy for us, I think, to get uh, nearsighted and just sort of want that cliche Christian quick fix. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about someone who will be there right in the very thick of it with you, who will say, God has hope for you. God has comfort for you. He has strength for you. It may not feel like you've got it now. I hear you. I'm not going to pretend there's some quick fix answer that's going to give you hope right now. But let's pray together. Let's hold on to God's promises. You may not have it today, but I assure you confidently that God will come through for you. God will do it. And eventually God did it for me. (laughs) Praise God. I mean, just praise the Lord. He did come through finally after seven years with a new job. Um, Now, again, it's not nirvana on earth. I mean, it's got its own problems, but... It is immensely better than where I was. I don't know why I had to go through that pain. I don't know why I had seven years to endure that were just so troubling for my soul. God does. I have to give it over to his sovereign control, but I do know that he came through. I can hope, like Paul, that God will come through for you. In the midst of your affliction, I can share with you, I don't know all the specifics that you're going through, but I know that God will come through with his comfort and he will come through for deliverance. So, my encouragement to us, um, I talked about two different types of comfort. Um, I think there's two ways that I would encourage you based on uh, what I see in Scripture, and also was helpful for me, of how to pursue God's comfort. One's the vertical dimension of how we can pursue God, and the other one's a horizontal of how we can pursue fellowship. Um, So the first one is um, going to the Psalms. Um, I don't know about you, but um, I, when I'm not going through suffering, can read through them and say, well, that's great. I'm I'm really glad they were able to do that. But when you're in the midst of a prolonged, uh, unending affliction, it can get to a point where you don't even want to pray. You don't even want to go to God. I can't even form the words. I'm so tired of looking inwardly at myself, at my inner complaint, I got nothing. I I just don't even want to go there. And that's when we want to jump over into some sort of quick fix or some sort of relief valve. But the Psalms are a wonderful way where we don't even have to come up with the words. We don't even have to try to come up with what's going on in our heart and put words to it. God's already done that for us in the Psalms. We can go find a Psalm and just, just meditate on it, pray it, make it your Psalm, make it your cry to God, and it was helpful for me. I was able to work through a psalm, and I, you know, sometimes it took a while, but use those psalmist words as my words of the affliction I was feeling, the pain I was feeling, and being able to receive God's strength as I humbled myself before him, as I let go, as I found myself weak, God did pour out his strength on me. Through his Holy Spirit, he used the psalms to encourage me and give me comfort. And I uh, just find that a, a wonderful way that we as believers can receive strength when we're at our lowest. Uh, second one uh, is just encouragement to be in fellowship. Uh, we are messed up, dirty, ugly people, but by Jesus Christ's strength, he is doing something in us. Present tense, now 
He is working through us, changing us, making us more like his character. And so, um, and I don't know about you, but it's really hard for me as the sufferer to open up, share someone with someone about my pain, and yes, receive prayer, but it's like somehow there's this expectation that the next time they talk to me that everything is going to be miraculous and wonderful and I'm going to be dancing around. It's so hard to just, you almost like you cringe. You're like, I sure hope they don't ask me how I'm doing because I don't want to go there. They're going to ask me how I'm doing and I'm going to have to say, well, maybe I'm about the same or gosh, I feel worse. And it's like somehow you've got this dirty feeling like somehow you aren't doing what you're supposed to. And it's like all of a sudden now you're the black sheep that no longer has fellowship. Like you need to isolate yourself because I shared it once. They're expecting now next time we talk, like somehow I'm going to be dancing off the moon and instead I feel like I just want to pull my hair out. And so I think for us as a body, uh, it's just really helpful to know that um, (laughs) it's okay to be in affliction. It's okay to be in pain. It's life, right? I mean, it's promised. First Peter 4 says, do not be surprised at the fiery trial. It's coming. It's probably here for a lot of us. And so um, my encouragement to you as the sufferer is to open up your heart and know that God will provide you comfort. Um, You are robbing yourself of joy by keeping it in. God has specific comfort for you by being in fellowship and opening up and receiving prayer and encouragement through fellowship. Uh, Conversely, uh, for us who may not be uh, going through that difficult affliction, uh, God is going to use you as the comforter, but that means that you, uh, I would just encourage you to not feel like you need to give a quick fix pat answer. It takes courage to just enter into someone's affliction and feel it. It's uncomfortable, isn't it? I mean, if someone's really dark and came to you just at the end of their rope, we, we have this internal need to like somehow juice them up and pump them up like Job's uh, friends did. And <laughs> of course, they just drove them insane. So I, I would encourage you, God will give you the courage and strength you need to be able to comfort someone and just be there in their midst. And again, you don't need to solve their problem. Oftentimes, there isn't something to solve. It's <laughs> that person, like me, is just being humbled before God so that he could strengthen them and give them comfort. There isn't anything you need to solve in home group to say, you're doing this wrong. You need to be doing this. Why aren't you doing that? It's like you're going to drive them utterly mad. And I felt that sometimes. It's like, there's nothing to fix here. And if there is, I'm going crazy because I've tried every dang glad way to do it and I can't. So my encouragement to you is just give a little. Maybe it's just a verse. Maybe it's saying nothing. Maybe it's just being in their presence. We don't need to like give these like superhuman Christian pat answers like, bam, you're the super Christian that just bibbidi-boppidi-boop and that person's comfortable or receiving comfort. Just be there in the presence with them. Pray for them. It might take a while. It will be hard. But I just encourage you to enter into that with a person who's suffering. And God will provide comfort to them. He will do it. Um, so I, I just want to encourage you um, if you're right now in the midst of affliction, do not leave without receiving God's comfort. Maybe you don't want anyone to pray for you. You just want to be on your face before God, and that's perfectly fine. But I would encourage you right now, if God has you in a period of very long affliction, to just meet with him. He will give you comfort. Do not continue stubbornly fighting him 
when he wants you to have comfort. He is the author of comfort. He designed for you to pursue him in the midst of this terrible affliction to receive his comfort. So I just say, as we wrap up now, don't leave without receiving his comfort. And I'm not promising you like somehow he's going to magically do something that's going to make the pain go away, but he will give you real comfort. I just encourage you to enter into that weakness that feels painful, that place of lowness where you just are letting go of control to his sovereignty. It's then, it's then when we stop relying on ourselves like Paul did, that God provides his comfort. Um, So let's go ahead and stand, and I want to actually (laughs) pray over Ephesians 3 uh, over us, because I need this as well, just as much as you do. Um, says this. Uh, let's pray. Uh, God, according to the riches of your glory, may you strengthen your church with the power through the Holy Spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses in knowledge, that we may be able to be filled with all the fullness of you, our God. Now to you who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to your power at work within us, to you be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ through all generations, forever and ever. Amen.